Oh my god, hi. This is Devin from Disney Adult, a podcast brought to you by the Trident Network. On Disney Adult, we bring together Chicago comedians to watch and discuss Disney movies from the perspective of adults. In these movies, there are things we love, things we hate, things that maybe haven't aged so well, and things that are timeless. Uh, the Trident Network's wonderful podcasts, including Disney Adult, can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Welcome to this episode of Equally Funny, a podcast where we take a social justice topic or a topic related to social justice, kind of break it down, talk folks through it, work it out ourselves as we're going through it as well. I'm your host, Kate Rogan. With me today is Ashley Whitehurst. Welcome, Ashley. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) Absolutely. So I am going to tell the audience a little bit about you, Ashley, by reading this bio that you sent to me. It it (laughs) shouldn't be... It shouldn't be too painful. It's going to be great. Everybody has survived so far. I'm going to hide my cam. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So Ashley Whitehurst is a writer, performer, teacher, director, producer, and podcaster in Chicago. She's very bad at boasting. So she put it all on her website for you, me, yes, me, to read at www.ashleywhitehurst.com. We'll include a link to it in the show notes. When Ashley's not working on uh, her day job or doing comedy stuff, she plays video games, runs, asks her dog if she's a hot dog, Mm. tries to avoid another black eye Mm. from her cat, reads, and plays piano. Well, shit, Ashley, you got (laughs) your hands in a lot of pies and like... I feel like we got to talk about this black eye from the cat. What oh happened? my God. This is the first time I've talked about this publicly, but uh, I'm speaking okay. of here she comes. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was, yeah, here she is. <laughs> um, yeah, she was real pissed off one day. She was smearing poop around my condo and I had to wipe it off her butt and wipe it off the walls. And uh-huh, she did not uh-huh. like that. And I went over to say, I'm so sorry. It's okay. And she popped me in the eye and I was gushing blood and it turned <gasps> It turned into a black eye, and like three days later, I had to go. Uh, I had to fly out for to give a presentation. Um, but yeah, super fun stuff. Luckily, the person I was staying with uh, is a makeup artist uh, on the side, so she, she, um, yeah, she made it look like it wasn't there. But yeah, it's really embarrassing to get a black eye from your cat. So <laughs> do not recommend. <laughs> no, really bad. I, I also I also have a cat, and I feel like your story is giving me. Um, uh, <laughs> but for the grace of God, there go I, because like there have been plenty of options for her to or times when she could have done that to me. It's, She's just chosen an arm or something else. Yeah, yeah, they're wild. It like I poke and prod her a lot. I probably it was probably like years of deserving it, but uh, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is I got I took it very personally, as if like she has the brain capacity and emotional uh, awareness to to know what she was doing was a personal attack. But mm-hmm. yeah, good times. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> pet pet ownership what uh, a journey what a journey <laughs> yeah and do your does your cat and dog get along they get along yeah um okay. my dog really 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 wants them to be like best friends mm-hmm. uh but you know they tolerate each other um 
I think the cat secretly wonders where the dog is if she's gone like to the vet for the day or like mm-hmm. on a w- long walk. She kind of looks for her, uh, but the cat keeps the dog in check, and I think mm-hmm. that's exactly how it should be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, as, na- as, yeah, nature as nature intended. As nature intended, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we oh. may be cat people on this podcast. It's fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ashley, I'm so excited to tackle the topic that we are covering mm. today, and. And um, when uh, trying to figure out what we wanted to focus on today, you had the great suggestion of covering white feminism, which I feel like is always relevant for uh, people who like to call themselves (sighs) feminists to uh, engage Mm. with and uh, do some research on. So to help like make sure that we're on the same page and that the audience is on the same page, I find it's really helpful to do some work around uh, definitions, right? And Ooh, just making sure okay. that we're defining the term so people are aware of what we're talking about. So we're going to do that in a little segment I'm calling Let's Get Definitional. Oh. And it does involve oh. a quiz. Uh-oh, are you ready? Okay. All right. Yep. This is me cracking my knuckles. Up. All mm-hmm. right, here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So Ashley, is hmm. white feminism, I'm going to give you three options and then you can tell me which one you think it is. Sorry. Okay. Um, is white feminism a a term used to describe how the feminist movement has often prioritized advocating for the enfranchisement of a specific group of women narrowly defined as white middle to upper class cis straight and western mm-hmm. and when i say western um i mean western uh as in belonging to what some refer as the global north aka rich nations <laughs> not western as in like fun hats boots and like flirty fringe <laughs> outfits okay just flirty so fringe mm-hmm. yeah so that's okay that's a okay uh or is uh white feminism option b uh something that is characterized by a motivation to make life easier for a specific group of women to operate mm. within current patriarchal and capitalistic systems of power but is not super concerned with dismantling those systems mm. it's an attitude i sum up as um you know what now that we've made it to the executive cafeteria no you can't sit with us and you know what we're actually going to go ahead and call security to have you escort it out for bugging us <laughs> so that's option b Whew, okay our is uh white feminism option c something that has reincarnated and rebranded itself over time mm. and according to the issues of the era that requires confrontation from folks who like to call themselves feminists this is uh like uh, confronting our ghosts or ripping off the scooby-doo mask and figuring out that mm. it's the same thing all along so is it option a b or c Ashley? this is really hard uh mm-hmm. because in my brain all of those fit the definition, uh, oh my gosh, but it's actually, not a choice. Is no, it a choice? It is. It is a <laughs> hidden choice. <laughs> what? I know. A We're hidden just... choice. I unlocked. I unlocked you did. a hidden choice. You you achieved a new level of of engagement. You are. It is oh option D. All of the D. above, which mm. is the first time for us here on Equally Funny. It's usually what? always answer C. So what? we're throwing <laughs> we're throwing lots of things at you today <laughs> holy smoke so it is all of those things that you talked about uh yeah. that's wild that's a lot um, it's a lot it's a lot and a lot. i think that that is that is a great place to uh point out before we dive into the next segment mm. that white feminism 
is a big topic, just like all the topics that we covered on this on this podcast. They are big. They get their fingers into everything. And we aren't going to be able to cover absolutely everything in a single podcast episode. That being said, we are going to talk about a lot of important shit as it relates to white feminism. And so uh, we're changing the format up, too, a little bit what? today. Ashley is like... Ashley's just like here for the ride and we love it. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, like in so we're gonna talk because it's such a big topic, it can feel a bit overwhelming. We're gonna do what I like to call in the next segment, sort of like, all right, here's three things that we each want to say about the topic. We've gone, we've done some research, we've uh, thought about this uh, sort of over the course of a few weeks as we've been reading up on it. And here are three big buckets of things that each of us want to say about the topic of white feminism, acknowledging that we aren't going to be able to get to everything. Are you ready? I think Ashley? I'm ready. But yeah, this is a big, big meal to eat. And like taking it one bite at a time, I think is is going to be key. So we're going to mm-hmm. try to take a big bite today, but not the biggest bite. Absolutely. <laughs> Metaphors. <Absolutely>. Yes. <laughs> In case you didn't know what we were just doing. That was yeah, a metaphor. Yeah, that's a metaphor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We'll cover that in a different episode. Yeah, what are yep. metaphors? What? No. <laughs> and how do they affect capitalism? <laughs> sure. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. Um, okay. So here we go. I'm going to go first and I'm going to talk about uh, three things. Ashley, feel free to interject at mm. any point. Um, okay. Cool. So I was trying to think about this from like both like a historical perspective and then also like present day impact. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, history a little bit. And the first thing I want to say is that feminism, white feminism has a long history of excluding Mm. non-white, non-middle to upper class women from the movement. If we go sort of like back to first wave feminism and let's say the suffrage movement right the the work mm. to give to give women the right to vote to advocate for um putting that into law um so like during first wave feminism a lot of the work was to address the barrier to the right to vote on the basis of sex right like women still weren't allowed to vote which in a lot of ways like blows my mind still it's so wild when I think about yeah it. it's, it's so like, wild yeah huh. Huh. I, I, yeah. Huh. It, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> mind blowing when you think about it. But this was the norm back then. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and while there are, there was like all of this work to address that barrier, but there wasn't simultaneous work to um, dismantle poll taxes, Mm. to address literacy tests, to deal with lynchings and other racialized violence, all of which targeted communities of color to make voting a right that would never actually be realized for them. Like that is something that the white suffragette movement did not address, right? And something that we still have to grapple with. 100%. 100%. I, we should probably call out like Susan B. Anthony, not not the hero we all think she was, right? Mm-hmm. It was an active choice. I actually just recently learned this uh, for them to brand this movement in a very specific way that very specifically excluded people of color. And mm-hmm. it was done on purpose. And um, it they did this intentionally to uh, make it more palatable for 
the white men in charge to accept that, you know, yeah. so if they can package it as this little tiny thing that the, the white men would be okay with, that's, that's what they did. So uh, if any listeners have a picture of Susan Pitney Anthony on their walls, maybe take it down. Yeah. There are other good people. There are other good people to put up there. There are other great, fantastic people out there. (laughs) Maybe just take her down. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, grapple with the the complicated legacy of some of of our heroes. Um, And and like you said, like in a lot of ways, throwing non-white women under the bus to sort of uphold white supremacy so Mm. long as white women got the right to vote was was like a key aspect of the movement Mm -hmm. and playing into those racist ideologies to get votes in Congress for white women while being very specific to exclude and play into racist narratives and tropes of the time uh, was a was from their playbook like that yep. just that just occurred as part of the movement and we have to we have to deal with that we do um, we, do. we should deal we sh- with it yeah. yes yeah. yes <laughs> um and like a lot of a lot of folks have pointed out how the suffrage movement was actually built out of the framework of the abolitionist movement <sighs> yeah yeah and <laughs> Well, shit, like, like Frederick Douglass spoke at Seneca Falls, right? The 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 convention that really sort of like is is termed as kicking off the, the women's suffrage movement in the United States. Uh, people like Sojourner Truth were part of the mm. movement and spoke about uh, um, advocating for all women to get the right to vote. But mm. they were very clearly and in a lot of ways methodically then excluded from the movement as people started to run into resistance, right? Are you saying like, that white folks stole an idea from a group of people and repurposed <laughs> it as their own and then excluded that group of people who had the idea first? Is that what you're saying? It's, it's shocking, isn't <laughs> it's shocking. it, Ashley? It's what shocking to this? hear. This is not the America I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like, exactly um, the America we know. Yeah. <laughs> this, is very, this is very on brand for us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's one of the things I think that uh, uh, we have to say over and over is like none of this in the past and none of what's happening now is original thought. Like we are just repeating the same type of idea and the same type of stereotypes and, and, and all that. So as we move through all the waves of feminism, it's something to keep in mind. It's like, none of you were that original, right? You're just stealing things on the way and packaging, packaging them in a nice palatable way. Okay. I'm going to get on my soapbox a lot. Apologies. Kick me off whenever you need. (laughs) No, keep stepping on up there and doing some dancing. I like it. Um, Okay, so that's first wave feminism. And then we get into like second wave feminism and we're still excluding folks. And Mm. I'm going to talk about sort of second wave feminism and the focus on sort of um, the middle class emphasis on getting white women the right to work outside the home. Obviously, there is more Mm. to second wave feminism that they were advocating for beyond this specific thing. But this is another good example of how people get left out, right? Um, so second wave feminism, like you think about Betty Friedan and the feminine mystique, you think about, Mm. uh, Simone de Beauvoir and the second sex as being sort of like a lot of like key texts of the time that were, um, popular outside of the academy, right? Like really started getting into like the public zeitgeist and, um, 
started reaching a lot of women where they were at in their homes, right? But not all women were stuck in their houses. So again, we see this prioritization of the perspectives of white middle and upper class women to define what and who feminism is for and what its goals are Mm. um, with disregard for the experiences of women outside of this small group, right? So like the calls for women to be able to move outside the home and pursue careers were largely a concern of relatively rich white ladies, right? Yeah. And they shouldn't be stuck in their homes either, yeah. right? And not be able to pursue careers. That That isn't the solution either. But women of color and poor women were already working. Thank right? you. Like, yes. They were already going to work outside the home because not working wasn't an option for them. So the movement's concerns are founded on a slim set of experiences that aim to sort of only open up opportunity, access, and equality for this narrow set of people again, while completely ignoring the experiences of all other women at the expense. It's like, I'm trying to find like the right way to phrase this, but it's... Maybe the right metaphor? Maybe the right metaphor. (laughs) Metaphor? What is the metaphor? Um, Yeah. It's... It's like white people arrive consistently late to things. And (laughs) while, while I, while I think, uh, yes, I'm very happy that, that we, we are allowed to work. Right. I don't want to, I wouldn't be a terrible housewife. I'd be, I would burn every meal. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, it feels like it was a movement based in this, like, um, this sentiment of like, I'm kind of bored at home. You know, and like to have the privilege of that thinking. And and it's really complex because it's like, yeah, maybe they're not all bored. Like I'm kind of being very general here, but kind of to your point where it's like, but non-white folks have been working because they have to. And you're seeing this as sort of like a thing that you want to play with or like a, 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 a thing to pursue in your, your free, uh, free time. This is like, this is kind of general and I'm, I'm probably missing the mark a little bit, but it just feels white women had the privilege to sort of daydream about like, what would it be like to like go to an office? Mm-hmm. Whereas other folks were already bearing that burden of doing really hard work. And instead of um, working with those groups to, to push this, um, this idea that women should be able to have jobs, we, we did, white people didn't, white women didn't. They were just mm-hmm. like, what, it, what if I, as a white woman, want to put on a dress in the morning and my heels because that's what you had to wear apparently and go type mm-hmm. on a typewriter mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know if it, that those dots sort of connect but it, it it does this is a pattern that sort of repeats itself and we'll get to it when we talk about the women's march specifically it feels like white women are just like you know what would be kind of cool you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing doing something that pe- groups of people have already been doing because they have to to survive you know what mm-hmm. i mean so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's weird Anyway, Mm -hmm. that was my introduction. (laughs) No, no, I think like it's interesting because it is it's like very complex, right? Because Mm. it's like white, like women in the suburbs trapped in their homes, not being able to work uh, because of this ideal of bread maker, uh, nuclear family. That is also a trap. Yes. But like women of color having to leave the home to work because or poor women or other other groups of women having to leave the home to work already because not working wasn't an option just 
creates a whole spectrum of like, okay, we got to talk about work for all women, right? Mm, we can't just yeah. talk about work for one subset of women to achieve parity, essentially with the men in their lives, right? Other yes. white men, right? It. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's looking at, it's trying to decenter the experience of a slim group of people, a very narrow group of people and expand that perspective to say like, all right, there's work we all got to do for everybody yeah. along the spectrum. It can't just be about us, but we're real good at, at, uh, at being selfish. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think you said that that sentiment a lot better than I would have for sure. And, and I think it is rooted and I will probably rant very longly, very longly, very long about this mm -hmm. idea of like, it's all rooted in uh, colonization and mm -hmm. colonialism and we'll get to that for sure. But you're, you're spot on with that. Um, this, this idea of elevating one group of people to match the other group of people, but completely forgetting about this mm -hmm. other group of people. So anyway, mm -hmm. yeah, here we go. All right. Second wave, second, <laughs> second wave feminism. Done. We've solved it. We're, we're, we're breezing through this because we got to. We got to. Um, so, so like third wave feminism or sort of like contemporary fe feminism, thinking again about this idea of how, uh, mainstream or white mm. feminism continues to exclude folks. It's like in the 90s and through to today, there's like a lot of work around sex positivity, right? And sexual empowerment. But, and are we extending that to advocating for the fair treatment and enfranchisement of sex workers, right? Mm. As an example of thinking beyond our own personal experience of um sexual realities in the bedroom for rich white ladies right mm. um in terms of like reproductive rights and freedom and yeah we should advocate for that for ourselves absolutely and what are we doing about maternal mortality rates among black yes. mothers and the reproductive rights of folks with disabilities, right? We can't just keep centering our own shit. Mm. And then as we talked about like a little while ago is like the fight for equal pay in corporate environments. Absolutely, we should have that fight. People should be paid equally, right? And yeah. how are we showing up for all women who work? Guaranteeing paid leave, insurance coverage, fair housing so people can live where they work and don't feel the brunt of commuting, like hours to get to where they need to go in order to make some money. So that's just like, that's the first topic. So that's the first umbrella of like, we do, white, white feminism does a great job of excluding non-white perspectives from the movement historically and even today. We got to yeah. do better. Yeah. Hashtag branding. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's, uh, let's, let's do better. Yeah. yeah do better. <laughs> um, uh, it was like, we, we're not there yet. We're still doing some work. Um, so like second bucket that I wanted to talk about was that, um, women of color and other historically excluded folks have been calling this exclusion out for a long time, right? Yeah. So like this requires us to sit with the uncomfortable knowledge that white feminists had lots of opportunities to grapple with this. They had lots of opportunities to understand what their exclusion was doing, who they were excluding, because people were telling them about it. 
And they elected not to in a lot of cases for expediency, for marketability to powerful white men, right? Like we talked about. So if we think about the suffrage movement and Sojourner Mm -hmm. Truth and other women of color at the time calling out the intersections of race, class and gender, but then largely getting excluded from the actual enfranchisement that would have guaranteed them the right to vote. Like I read a story, it's like Sojourner Truth tried to vote in her lifetime after like after suffrage happened and was turned away, right? Like, because, mm. yeah. And this was in like Michigan, I think, right? Like, this wasn't in the deep south. Um, during second wave feminism, you have people both sort of uh, like Audre Lorde, Gloria Anseldua, Bell Hooks, Kimberly Crenshaw talking about um, all doing the work to sort of like, call out and call in feminists to be more inclusive and intersectional in their work and to highlight the experiences and the active feminism of non-white middle-class women, both in the academy, um, because academics also have a history of exclusion, and then also like for on-the-ground feminism. So like the second bucket is really like, we've known about this for a long time and we keep, yeah, like white feminism keeps fucking it up, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's like, ignorance is not the uh, excuse, right? You have been called out time and time and time and time and time again and made decisions to continue to exclude folks. So we got to confront that too. Yep. Willful ignorance. Yes. 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 And then sort of like the third bucket that I wanted to hit on was um, why it is vital to be intentional in building intersectional and inclusive feminism going forward. Um, If we purport to be advocating and pursuing equity for women, it's got to be for all women, all women, right? And that requires building movements that bring all women to the table, confronting and owning the exclusionary practices of um, previous movements to use as feedback and motivation for doing better, and being critical of ourselves and our engagement with the movement. Otherwise, you become the oppressor to somebody mm. else. And white feminism has a long history of becoming the oppressor. Yes. To yes. non-white women. So, and we're all guilty of this to some extent, right? Like no. nobody's perfect, right? Like we're all, yes. like we said, like you said at the top, it's like, we're working on this, like work mm-hmm. in progress. Absolutely. But we do have to confront and grapple with the historical exclusion of non-white women and the centering of white women, rich white women's voices in the movement. That's yeah. the end of my soapboxy <laughs> spiel for now. I love it. I'm going to pass the soapbox to you. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I do want to say, yeah, that uh, it, it's doing the work that we're doing now, but also kind of uh, trying to not do repeat the same mistakes Mm -hmm. so it's listening more right it's it's basically shutting the fuck up and listening and recognizing Mm -hmm. that your presence sometimes is is just just to to listen that's it Mm -hmm. that's it we've we've heard so much from white people let's stop Mm -hmm. let's give other people the floor so yeah yeah I'm going to button that one up. Okay. So <laughs> I, I had, I have a couple points and the third one I had, I think I'm going to move to the top because I okay. think it's, we're talking a lot about women, mm-hmm. uh, obviously women, women, women. So I want to, I think this deserves a way larger episode. We are mm-hmm. just going to touch on this very quickly, but I think it's so important to talk about this. 
TERFs. Mm-hmm. So let's, since we're talking about women, we should talk about people who also identify as women who wouldn't necessarily fit into the bucket that the TERFs would mm-hmm. like them to fit in. Uh, so I should define TERFs. They are yeah. trans. Let's, ooh, let's, let's, let's do more definitions. Yeah. More definitions. I don't have a, I don't have a multiple choice. Uh, That's okay. That's okay. Let's just. <laughs> okay. So uh, TERFs are trans exclusionary radical feminist. And I feel they like basically. Feminist yeah. is like a misnomer in that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. a real frustrating uh, group mm-hmm. of people. And I found myself. I had to stop myself from going into it too much because it's very infuriating. Um, (laughs) So they basically believe that trans women are not women and therefore do not fall under the bucket of a group of people um, they should be fighting on behalf of. And Mm. in fact, in fact, they make efforts to fight against. So they will show. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, uh, there's like uh, groups like the Women's Liberation Front. Sounds sounds super awesome and progressive, right? <laughs> yeah. No. So they they alternate among different theories, and I am quoting a Vox article, so that's my citation. Mm-hmm. Um, that trans women are really men who are the ultimate oppressors of women. So that's how they feel about trans folks, and most of their ideas are that trans women are a threat to cisgender women's safety and it's basically it, i mean it's almost like it's almost like repeating republican talking points under the guise <laughs> of being a feminist movement it's really bad oh. and they will actively lobby uh for laws against um trans folks um they i'll just i'll just say one more thing about something that they've they've actively tried to do is They've tried to get the Department of Housing and Urban Development to bar trans women from women's homeless shelters. Mm. Uh, they work alongside conservatives to limit the rights of trans people, even um, even when Mitch McConnell wants to pass legislation that limits their reproductive rights. So they're actively working against their own type of agenda in service of limiting another group of people, which is infuriating to me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i guess uh i mean i'm just going to infuse like some opinions here is like if you have to b- also subscribe to the idea that we are all living in a very binary world that you're a woman or a man and that's it and i think there's a lot of room for conversation and nuanced takes on that and i think they completely miss the mark as far as that goes so that's mm-hmm. that's turfs for you since we're talking about feminism and um and and rights for women i think we should in my opinion, also be including trans women in this conversation because it's a group of people that is, I mean, specifically now targeted a lot, mm-hmm. um, specifically trans women of color. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, no, and I think like, <laughs> absolutely, it's like, is it, it's its own episode, right? And, totally. But I think that the, um, the way that white feminism works to find um sort of uh like it hustles to find people it can exclude right and make an enemy and other in a way to advance the interests of white women that right white that is awesome yeah and trans women are I don't want to say popular in like a good way, mm-hmm. but are a, par- 
are a popular and I would argue or say um, easy target. Easy target. Yeah. For these folks to to um, to develop uninformed talking points on to provide massive amounts of misinformation on to continue to sacrifice this particular group of women to like the larger um complex of we got to be angry at somebody and um let me exchange this group of women for my rights right like let me exchange this group of women for political power or political influence or to um, be able to align some of my interests with the people that are in power it's what it's what the suffragettes did with women of color it's what we have always done what white feminism has always done and it's um it's infuriating that it continues to repeat itself hmm. it's in fear in different in different forms in different formats aligning itself to the different kind of issues of the era but it yeah white feminism hustles for another i love i that i feel like that is the best abstract of this episode is just that yeah, they white feminism hustles for the for another, and J.K. Rowling can suck it. <laughs> Famous turf. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry, just lost all the Harry Potter followers. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's important to confront. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, sweet. So, um, yeah. So I think uh, white feminism rears its ugly head in that way. But I want to uh, sort of switch gears Mm -hmm. and talk about the saviorism aspect of of white feminism and how that sort of um, bubbles up in different ways. And you've mentioned quite a few times the this rich white woman stereotype uh, being kind of at the front and center of it. And I'll I'll take it a step further is, uh, you know, it's like modern day socialites, right, holding massive galas uh, in the name of some sort of progressive movement uh to to raise money and then it's always some like you know uh underserved population they're giving the money to so i'm setting the stage there because i want to talk about how a lot of the feminists in the early suffragist uh, movement were also um part of the founding of what we view as modern day social work and how Mm. social work is really rooted, (laughs) really rooted in this idea that we need to, um, to help the poor people and the quote unquote, you know, um, people that nobody wants and the immigrants and, and all that stuff. And so, so instead of using their wealth to lobby again, the government and, and their connections to, to change laws, to help, to help these folks specifically, uh, women of color or immigrants, uh, women of women who are immigrants, um, instead of using our their their place in society to help that, it was things like opening up a house, you know, a whole house, J- Jane Adams, uh, to 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 just like be a place that they could throw money at the problem. And I think that's a a thing that white women and white feminists love to do is just throw money at the problem. They don't want to mm-hmm. see, they don't want to see and do the work to understand the root of the problem. Um, and Jane Adams specifically, I'm not saying they're all bad people, um, because obviously, mm-hmm. um, what social work and therapy ha- has become is, is different. And they're also reckoning with their own, their own, uh, foundation. But, um, 
I'm sorry, Octavia Hill was the the person who they've uh, people are people say founded social social work, but her whole thing was um, self reliance. Uh, you mm. know, uh, work hard and you can figure it out. Uh, and so yeah. it's again this rich white white women using their power and money to kind of force this idea that they are the example and it's if we can get people to sort of assimilate to that mm-hmm. um then you know i think america will be better this is this is sort of the thinking and i think that ties directly back into white feminism because their voices are the loudest at that time and were the people influencing um a lot of uh, a lot of people around them and i think like it, it's um it's like this thing what you called out at the top of this this sort of like bucket right is like the the aspect of saviorism mm. right it's um and white saviorism and the idea that the systems aren't the problems right like the systems are fine i'll what i'll do is i'll create ways that people yeah. can potentially um, or like throw money at things that help people operate within the existing system, yes. maybe a little bit better or for a limited period of time. But I do no work to right. dismantle those systems. I do no work to improve those systems, to create um better access to opportunity to support people in um, enfranchising themselves, right? Or um, realizing sort of like all of the opportunities that I myself have been able to realize because I benefit from this system. Yes. And it's it's a little bit like, let me help these poor people. Poor people. Yeah. Yeah. And who don't who just like don't have tools or know any better. Or so blah, 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 they blah, don't blah, even blah. speak English. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, like maybe just ask them or. Yeah. 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 It's like they're <laughs> people. People are the authority on their own lives and their own experience and their own needs. Yeah. And it's not our job to save them. Right. It's our job to dismantle barriers. I think that leads us very easily into my last point, which was was my first point. But I think we should like end this segment on this point. Yeah. The system is the problem and the system is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, when the house is rotted, everything you build, all the paint, all the decoration <laughs> yeah. you put in it is going to be rotted. And that's all we are doing is we are just slapping more decor on the walls and more, um, you know, more cool furniture and just it's just all going to be rotted. And so mm-hmm. white feminism and I'm I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to quote uh, Rachel, is it Craigle? I'm forgetting her last name now. I think it's um, Cargill. Yeah. Cargill, yeah. Cargill. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she's the one who coined this. It's white, white feminism is white supremacy in heels. And I think that is, that it is a brutal statement, but it mm-hmm. is, uh, it is true because, well, for me, it's true. White supremacy is rooted in s- settler colonials, colonialism, who are folks who came over here under the guise of religious freedom, which sounds very much like what's happening today in America. But Mm -hmm. um, so it was a bunch of people who felt persecuted. Oh my God, it's America, Um, who felt persecuted and um, used religion as a, as a, as a weapon, as a way to get over here. And, and so for, for me, white supremacy is rooted in the colonialism and the, the puritanism of our country where religion rules all, where, um, uh, women are subservient to men. We were weaker. We're you know blah 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 blah. 
And once you see everything through that lens, I think everything makes sense about what how white uh, white feminism acts and behaves. Um, if it's based in misogyny, right? It's mm-hmm. based in uh, men 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 know better. Like you know, that's that's just that's just the way it is. Um, and I think another thread to pull out with this is for for white folks and white supremacy and white white feminism, we see things through a very binary nature, and that's just not the way that every culture is. So when we start to lay on our own binary type of thinking, we are suppressing and oppressing other people's needs and wants. And that's very much what white supremacy was doing Mm -hmm. uh, and very much what white feminism has done and continues to do because we are acting from a place of binary, good versus bad, right? Need versus want, uh, black versus white. And that's mm-hmm. such toxic thinking. And it's led us to where we are now, which is uh, a real cesspool of really bad, um, I say bad takes, but just just not productive. We're we're not being productive. Well, it's it's like it's a foundation, like you said, that that elevates a very particular um form of existence right like namely white straight cis dudes from northern europe like essentially right um rich white straight cis dudes from northern europe able-bodied like you know and ideal uh, sort of um creates that as the ideal and then also infuses this idea that um it's then that group's responsibility to spread that ideal. Spread it, uphold it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and we exist in the legacy of that um, system today and white feminism in a lot of ways is born out of trying to gain parity with that specific group of people. Oh, you say things so much better than I do. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly right. When that is your ideal, a white supremacist foundation, your whole movement's going to be going to be that way. Yeah. 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 And it's like, okay, let's like get even with them. And I think that in a lot of, and for a lot of folks, like there are good intentions, right? Like yeah. behind sort of like, all right, once we get parity, once we get even, once like we can try to work in some ways that we think are inclusive, but are actually exclusive to build women up to gain parity with this very exclusionary standard, then it's like a weird theory of trickle down, like economics, but like trickle down empowerment. Right. And it's just not true. Like it just doesn't work. Oh my God. It's never worked. I think you just named the fifth wave of uh, feminism, trickle (laughs) down of empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, we're not doing this again. (laughs) We can't keep doing this shit. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Um, And like you said, the whole house is rotted. It's rotted. Rotted wood. Yeah. Yeah. um, and we just keep trying to, I think going back to like the suffragists movement, we just keep trying to rebrand and mm-hmm. we're just, mm-hmm. we're not actively saying, uh, um, no black people in this movement. We're just doing really harmful things to exclude and keep people down. And, mm-hmm. um, and not, um, following, right. Yeah. Yeah. Black, like feminist leaders who mm-hmm. are doing the work to, elevate and advocate for their own communities 
we are actively sort of like saying like, "Mm, no, not yet. Not now. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm going to go start my own thing in your community and put all this white money behind it instead of just being like, oh, wait, you're already doing this work. Maybe I can support sort of thing. (laughs) Oh, do we want to get into the nonprofit industrial complex next? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, there's so many shows. So many shows. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, no, yeah. Um, so before we move on to the next segment, is there anything else that you wanted to say, Ashley, about sort of like your three things before we move on? I think, I think that's it. Honestly, I think we could spend an entire episode about white women's tears and we'll Mm -hmm. talk about resources for people to go. There's Mm -hmm. really good books and articles that are, that are, uh, been written about that. I think it's very important, um, because I think that's a place where white women, while we may not be, um, some of us may not be a part of these big movements that are actively oppressing these groups of people. These are ways in which our own behavior and everyday mm-hmm. life is being called out. And we need to recognize that our mm-hmm. power inside of a conference room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the language we use with um, coworkers of, of color. So I think that's a, that's a super important uh, thing for people to, to do the research. And it's a very internal um, introspective process is understanding our power as women, uh, mm-hmm. white women in these rooms and in uh, these places. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. So those are our three things. And now we're going to move into a segment where we talk a little bit kind of like of our own journeys, our own struggles with mm. some of this, with the topic at hand. And then also like some things that we've found helpful in our own journeys, also acknowledging that we are and will forever be like in the middle of this work. Um, so yes. as we've talked about like several times, um, I think like the idea of getting, when thinking about feminism, feminist history, feminist I- icons and people that we hold up as sort of like um, uh, beacons of, of like the feminist movement, right? I think getting comfortable with holding two competing ideas in my head at the same time about the feminist movement and historical feminist figures is something that I just keep grappling with and had to get more comfortable with. And like the idea that folks can do lots of cool shit for some people, right? But it doesn't wipe away the problematic, racist, exclusionary attitudes and impacts of their actions that like that that their actions had on the world and like the person that comes to mind for me is margaret sanger who Mm. founded Mm. planned parenthood right yeah like planned parenthood i think does a lot of great work has done a lot of great work um but margaret sanger was extremely problematic. Like she advocated for birth control. She was also, uh, don't say it. uh, Well, she was also into the eugenics movement. (laughs) Yes. She was, you know, she was racist. She catered like at one point, I think that she gave like a speech to like the ladies auxiliary club of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. To just a couple ladies having tea. Yeah. Yeah. Just talking (laughs) about not talking about taking rights and keeping, keeping it just for themselves. Um, and so like Planned Parenthood, I read this article and I'll, I'll include a link to it in the show notes. It was from, um, I think the CEO of, of Planned Parenthood, um, about grappling with Sanger's legacy. Right. And, and the current state of the, of the institution and that provides 
lots of health care to a lot of people. Right. I've been to Planned Parenthood. I've been a beneficiary of the services of Planned Parenthood before. I have donated to the organization and I think it's doing a lot of great work in reproductive rights. But at the same time, who are they still leaving out and how yeah. are they grappling with this history? Yeah. Like, that's the job. It's like our job to continue being critical and holding people accountable. And that's, that's like my next step, like next sort of like piece of advice is like having a healthy sense of criticism and critique about my own feminism, right. And how I show up and I'm going to give like a few examples. And uh, this is not meant as a like scolding listeners. I'm very firmly pointing the the finger at myself. <laughs> right now. It's yeah. like, it's the, has it left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, as you're showing up for feminism, like, for example, if your action is donating dollars, right? Like if that's how you are showing up for feminism right now, which organizations are you donating to? Right. Who are you mm. prioritizing? do some investigation around like those organizations mm. and their ideals and their origins and their current practices and who they're leaving out, right? Get involved if you can. Mm. Um, if your action is sort of like more direct activism in terms of like marching, which marches are you showing up to? Yeah. Ooh. Are you so just going is to it the women's with the hat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you just going to that women's march? Are you showing up for Black Lives Matter? Are you showing up for indigenous rights? Are you showing up for gun violence? Are you showing up for all of these other intersectional issues? And again, pointing that finger firmly at myself, um, asking that question of myself. And like, if you're making a podcast like we are today, who am I having on as co-hosts? How can I do better? How can I expand um, inclusivity? Who is coming on to co-host and having uncomfortable conversations when it's like, you know what? We got to take yeah. a break and find some other people sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and then I'll pass it over to you. Like those are just a couple things that have been sort of helpful in, in my own journey. I, I mean, I agree with all of those. I wanted, uh, I found a, a really amazing quote about the march, um, and I'm forgetting who it's from now. We'll put the link uh, again. Mm -hmm. It's Rachel yes. Cargill, which who I was mm -hmm. like, she's amazing. Um, she said, she said this, and it like hit me so hard. Even now, like years after you know doing starting all this work with myself and like learning and stuff. Um, this is a point I hadn't realized before, and she said, "quote." At this point, I call the women's marches parades with white women doing mm -hmm. arts and crafts the night before. This is an event for them. It wasn't until the white women were personally affected, and this is in context of Trump, that they came out in the millions. All of a sudden, they knew how to organize. Women of color have been marching a long time. Mm. And like, Oof. yeah, that was... Yeah, I mean it's 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 brutal. It's true. It's right. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of that sign that that woman held up at the parade that has gone viral. Fifty three percent of white women voted for Trump. Um, but it's 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 frustrating that you know this entire time we could have been doing this instead we've decided not to uh, until it affected us until white women realize like oh shit it's going to get real it's going to get bad for some folks that are white. Um, so to your point, yeah, realizing what marches you're going to, um, what, um, what groups you're supporting and following on Twitter, um, et cetera. Um, I think a big part mm -hmm. where I'm really, really focused, uh, right now is what white feminism is rooted in. And it's all about understanding and learning more about colonialism and, um, imperialism and what, 
our own country has done to indigenous folks and how we continue to do that. Once you start there from a place of um, decolonization, um, everything else sort of starts to make sense in terms of how our systems work and how they are supposed to work and how they are doing a very good job at working, in which I mean they are keeping non-white folks in a specific place in our uh, society. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely suggest starting starting there from a place uh, where you're learning and listening and reading from Indigenous folks who have this context and this history, um, because, yeah, that's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. um, and what speaking of, so uh, an indigenous, indigenous scholar I love, uh, Dr. Adrienne Keene says um, she, even when she started her podcast about um, Indigenous um, issues and, and, and shedding light on that and, and, and expressing joy about uh, Indigenous folks, um, her whole her whole jumping off point was she wanted to, quote unquote, consent to learn in public. And I love that because I think we I can like do that. all the. Yeah, it's a it's so good. Follow her. She's she's brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, but I also love the sentiment that like we could do all the work in our kitchen at our kitchen table that we want. But until you start talking about this with other folks and pushing back and getting things wrong and being OK mm -hmm. with getting wrong. I think that's where the growth comes. Um, I can read a thousand articles a day, but when I start to talk about it with folks, um, I think, I think that's, that's what we got to do. Podcasts like this, right? Like we mm -hmm. probably, I probably said something incorrect today. That's okay. I I'm going to be wrong. I think all of those are good things. And then, um, just want to call out, we we've talked, we've name dropped a few people throughout the episode, but like, um, thinking through like a couple people or yeah. books or articles that were helpful that we want to just call out. Um, for me, I think, um, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts, but I haven't read her book yet. Um, I really want to read, uh, hood feminism, yeah. uh, which is, is uh, like a group of essays by Mickey Kendall um, that's all about sort of uh, the women that the movement forgot, right? And highlighting the feminism that exists mm. outside of white feminism, right? And also taking white feminism to task for a lot of the stuff that we covered today and then all the things that we couldn't cover in this in this in this one episode. Um, so that's up on my list. And then I think always like reading Audre Lorde, like Whenever I read her at whatever stage I'm at, I find new things from her from her work. Like it's just it's ever sort of present and and um, and relevant. So mm. I think I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And um, I know that you had a couple of people you wanted to call out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think. Um... <laughs> it's it starts at like with one resource and then they all have a bunch of different resources so you mm -hmm. you listeners have to go go do the extra work in finding those people but i'll call out uh layla layla sad i mean she wrote um me and white supremacy but she also hosts a podcast and if you want to start somewhere she does a very specific episode about white feminism with ruby mm -hmm. hamad who wrote white tears brown scars and it's fantastic mm. um i was just re-listening to it before this to to ground myself and it was just again like it's just it's wonderful um listen to all my relations podcasts that that'll um with dr adrian keen and um oh my god i'm forgetting her co-host i'm sorry it's not on purpose um no, they <laughs> they do a really good job of unpacking the indigenous experience we'll include some links to to these folks and i think um yeah absolutely like showing up for and following these people not just for the sort of critical work that they do yeah. in these spaces but for um their entire humanity 
right? Yes, and celebrating yes. all of that. They yeah. are more than yeah. the trauma porn that they have been <laughs> subjugated to in some sense. Mm-hmm. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oof. Okay. Oof. We've, we've like covered a, to- we've covered a topic today. Um, like we said, we can't cover everything. We probably made some mistakes at some point yeah, and uh, look, look forward to the feedback and um, getting <laughs> call, called out about that because that's how we grow. So thank yes. you in advance, um, if you want to share something with us. Uh, so we've talked about a lot of shit that matters. Let's, uh, let's close out with a segment uh, that I'm calling shit that legit doesn't matter. Ooh, and okay. um, <laughs> as Ashley pointed out before we started recording, there's like a lot of... Um, like a lot of really rich white dudes going into space recently. <laughs> um, and Usually we get stuck there, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just go hang out by yourself yeah. for a while. Um, <laughs> Think about what you Just see if we're okay. I think we'll yeah. be okay. Um, but if, uh, if we had to pick somebody, we'll both answer this question, um, okay. Ashley. So if you had to pick somebody to sort of represent humanity in space, um, on a journey or as like a first encounter with with uh, a non-earth species uh, who who would you represent who would you pick I, th- I the first person who came to mind is Serena Williams all right okay and tell me about it I think I think it's just because um if she needed to kick some alien ass she could right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. if um, if she needed to, to, uh, you know, um, negotiate a treaty, I think she's super charming and like, um, just, just could do it. Like, I feel like she mm-hmm. could, she could negotiate with, uh, an alien race. Um, uh, I think she encapsulates like for me, just the idea that you can be sh- physically strong and not look like the typical woman that we're all supposed to look like. Um, I don't know. And I don't want to, I'm trying very hard to like, idol be idol worshipy here, but I, I think for me, she's dealt with, mm-hmm. she's got, she's dealt with so much and has, um, yeah, she, she gets it. I think she gets it. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. I, um, hope that the, shuttle comes back to bring her back because i want her back on earth because i think she's amazing and she's got an amazing like yeah. second career after tennis uh uh and ready after, to go and after space after space, <laughs> after space. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an after space career yeah so yeah. serena williams was like also like she would bring um uh, her whole like dope clothing line and like mm-hmm. the whole all the people on the moon and all the aliens will be very well dressed so i'm into yeah. it <laughs> yeah i like serena how about you <laughs> Oh man. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, I think that I am going to pick, and I, I'm firmly like picking from lists of uh, like pop culture celebrities. Uh, so yeah. um, mm. I think that I would go with uh, maybe, I see, I'm blanking completely now, no. but I'm going to pick somebody. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm just going to say Stephen Colbert. I don't know oh, why. Oh, okay. But yeah. I kind of yeah. I kind of like Stephen Colbert. I feel like he uh with the improv training, he's got uh, good instincts in an unknown situations. He yeah. uh could bring us along on this journey with him yeah. in some sort of televised special and uh could also uh make uh aliens laugh, which I think <laughs> is like a good entry point into relations potentially. 
And then um, he does seem like an all around good dude. It would break my heart if something came out about Stephen Colbert. I know. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, Yeah. he's one of them. You know what? I I love that. I think that would be perfect. And let's take it a step further. And let's just say they're doing this together. I think it'd be that'd be be a pretty good team. I think. I think it would work. Uh, If anyone in Hollywood is listening to this, maybe write a movie about Serena Williams Mm -hmm. and Colbert (laughs) going into space. Yes. Um, I like I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, uh, Ashley, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show to like tackle this beast of a topic they all they all turn out to be beasts but we we do our best to 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 provide a bit of information um and we'll have to have you back maybe we'll talk about white women's tears next time oh my god please thank you (laughs) this has been super fun thank you i hope uh i hope i didn't get too ranty for folks uh tend to get a little ranty so (laughs) that's all right rants welcome um all right you have a great rest of your saturday ashley and we'll talk soon all right (laughs) bye Equally Funny is produced by me, Kate Rogan, in collaboration with each episode's co-host. Our intro music is by Tim Durier, and our cover art is by Rachel Nevers. Episodes are edited and mixed by Area Code. If you're looking to get in touch, reach out to equallyfunnypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at equallyfunnypod. Equally Funny is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.